guys, welcome back to another ESO Podcast. I'm your host, Arsenio, as usual, and today is a special one. It is a very, very special one. I was actually on LinkedIn one day, and I got a connection. And when I checked the connection, I said, oh my god, alright, African-American sister, she's living in Georgia. Checked out some of her content. And you know what? I am so, I'm not talking about Georgia, the state. See, a lot of you might be thinking, oh, Georgia, the state, Atlanta. No, mm, 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 mm. I'm talking about Belize. I'm talking about the capital of the country, Georgia, near Azerbaijan, near Armenia. You guys know about it? Well, you're about to. I saw the beautiful language, the Georgian language, which is a dying language currently, because again, in Georgia, the older people, they have so, you know, Soviet, formerly known as Soviet Union, but so they know Russian. The younger generation, they're more predisposed to English. But this Georgian language, I was so captivated. And I said, man, I've always wanted to visit this country. So I'm over here talking it up with her. We got on a call. We started talking about a bunch of things. And you know what, man? Just seeing another African-American sister doing amazing things, man. It shows that there are no limitations in the world. Me being in Bangkok, Thailand and overcoming the things I've had to overcome. And her being from Wisconsin, but having that bug, having that bug of curiosity in her from the very beginning, going to Israel, settling down in Georgia, working for an online company, of course, doing just, you know, calls with uh, South Korean students, and then finally forming her own business by herself. Guys, this is a podcast for the ages, so I hope you guys enjoy this, and again, I'll be I'll be sure to put in her links in the description if you want to check out some of her work. So, without further ado, let's dive into this. Tara, thank you so much for coming on to the ESL Podcast or the Arsenio's ESL Podcast. I'm so grateful that you reached out to me. I mean, again, even already told, tell, I told the story in the pre-roll and whatnot at the very beginning that, you know, I ended up getting a connection from you. I started checking out some things you did, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's another teacher. Where is she living? Oh, my God, she's living in Georgia. What's going on? And so this could be a huge inspiration to, obviously, all folks of color and especially our folks back home. But uh, I want you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got to Georgia, the country. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I started... I'm from America. I'm from the United States. I'm from Wisconsin. Um, I ended up in Israel for Bible school. So I volunteered there. Um, not wanting to go back to the States. I'm like, oh, I'd really like to travel to another country. And a friend is like, oh, you know, Americans can stay in Georgia for a year at a time. And I'm like, okay. So I came. And that was four years ago. <laughs> so I've been here ever since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like that. So wait. Okay, so... Let's go back to Israel. You were in Wisconsin. You got your family members. You go to your family. Hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm going to Israel. They, how did that happen? What happened? What took place? No, so easy. My mom had been already. She had stayed there. My dad, you know, we're all like believers. We follow the Bible. So it's an important place for us. So I was like, yay. And I'm like, okay, I'm going. <laughs> so it was nothing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so when you got there, this was the beginning of a new year. You know, like what, you know, being in Israel, I think I've only talked to a few people from Israel and the latest one being, it was a guy 
who was standing in line at the Thai embassy out there in Vientiane, Lao, and I started, you know, striking up a conversation. He told me some things, you know, folks from Israel, they're not able to travel to Muslim countries. And I'm hmm. like, oh my God, those restrictions. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine based on whatever beliefs you have, you just being completely negated? But again, that's their thing. I can't say anything about that. But when you landed, ooh, what was there any tug of war happening inside of you? Like, oh my God, I got to go back home. I got to get out of here. Or were you just committed? It was complete excitement and commitment. It was, I had no, I had no worries. Like I was ready to experience everything, to do everything. Like, like from my childhood, I always wanted to live abroad. I always wanted to experience like a different culture, different countries. So it was not difficult. Not at all. I was ready. I was ready to experience something new. Yeah. Were you, were you one of those people like in class or college, whatever it was, and you were thinking like way outside the box and everyone was this way? Was it hard for you to like fit in or were you around the same people? You know what I mean? Sorry guys, I think I lost her momentarily unless it's my internet and I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually my internet, but let's see. Okay, there she is, yep. It's that, okay, you can hear me. Yeah, it says your internet connection is unstable. That was me, that was me by the no way. Worries. No worries. <laughs> so, you know, me going back to my childhood, um, I never thought that I used to think way outside the box, but there were times that, you know, there were a couple of instances, you know, being in Arizona, going to college there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to come around people who are trying to, they're throwing out these gambits about Vietnam and, you know, traveling from the big island to Maui out there in Hawaii and, you know, how cheap food is in Vietnam. And I'm like, you know what, man? I think this world is vast. So were you one of those people in your class or in your neighborhood or in your little friendship circle and everyone looked at you like, what the hell? What? Oh my God, what are you talking about? Like, did you have that resistance? I, I was a bit strange. I didn't have resistance. I don't know if I like talked about it a lot, but I always had these different tendencies. So like, I grew up liking anime and listening to J-pop and K-pop music. And as soon as I learned Spanish for the first time, I started speaking it around the house. And I always wanted food from different countries. Uh, I went to homecoming with a Brazilian exchange student. It was like all these weird, like international things that were from the beginning. So uh, maybe I was the weird one in my circle, but I never got any, I think, weird looks from it <laughs> yeah what, what was the foreshadowing what do you think looking back and connecting those dots do you can you like make sense of it and say oh well that all makes sense because i can kind of do that with my life you know what i mean yeah it does everything sort of comes together like this you know i'm in the middle of georgia i'm you know not a lot of black people here so it's like it, it there's nothing like strange to me it just seems like it was building up to this somehow with those weird different culture cultural interests and things yeah oh man so wow yeah uh again you know when i traveled i'm, I'm you know i'm really happy that you had that supportive backbone because you know your family haven't been and everything and so you had that support but when it came to my family nobody had ever traveled the furthest they ever went was Chicago or Ohio. And that happened in the last recent, like half decade. That didn't happen like back in the 90s or 80s, you know? So you ended up going to Georgia, the country 
Georgia. Me, I'm in Thailand. There are people that are going to watch this some, somehow between 2020 and 3020, if human beings still <laughs> exist. And they're going to look back on this moment and say, whoa, two African-Americans, one's in Asia, one is in Europe. Like, you, we understand that you guys had that ability and you guys had that, that curiosity within you, but you getting that one-year visa and going to Georgia, oh my God, this is a country I've always wanted to visit. And so, <laughs> like, what, when you went to Georgia, was it still uncharted territory or were you, again, like, okay, let's get this, let's do this. It was uncharted territory, but I'm like, I'm a bit of a wanderer. I think maybe that's something I should also include. Like, just in America, when I was younger, I would just wander around my city and you get to explore and you get to find new things and you get to find your way. So for me, landing in a new country, it's like, okay, if we wander, then we'll eventually get to know things. So it, it wasn't like scary territory or anything. It was just like, okay, new experience. Let's get in, let's get into the culture. Let's experience this whole thing, yeah. So with your business, okay, you doing what you're doing right now, before we dive into that, you're in Georgia. I don't know when the whole business ideas and everything began to come up, but you were doing your online thing, okay, with, uh, was it a, a Chinese company? I had a Korean, a Korean company. Korean. That's interesting. I've never heard of a Korean. Okay, what was the name again? Because, you know, you got 512 talk or 21 whatever talk and... There's a lot. I can't remember the two names because I had like a proxy company that would hire Americans to work for them. So that was KWP English and they're in Madison, Wisconsin. And so they sort of were a proxy company going through and they pretty much had the, had the Korean companies. I can't remember the names of them. Yeah. Ah, I see. Okay. And then you were doing that in Israel and Georgia or, were you do or did you just start that up out there in uh, Georgia? Yeah, I'd started, I'd found it online when I was in America, took it with me to Israel, and then took it with me to Georgia. So sort of digital nomading a bit. And, and tell me about how you started like implementing, you started learning from different things in the system, and then you're like, you know what, let me start my own. How did that idea come? Yeah, so, you know, it was just with the Koreans. It wasn't full-scale English lessons. It was like 10, 20 minutes you know, like English conversational calls, or maybe it was, there was lessons, there were lessons, but it was still just 10 and 20 minutes. Koreans are really busy. They have like a hectic work schedule. They're really known for that. And so this company just offers that short amount of time. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I, this is something I could do, or, you know, just offer it to people or 30 minutes or something. Um, but it didn't really come until much later. Like I had thought about it, like, oh, I could teach English online or I could do it freelance. But as for my own business, that idea didn't come, I think really, Maybe when I was in Israel, about to leave, and then developed, actually came together more when I got to Georgia. Yeah. Wow. It was a process. It, it, the, the, the cogs started turning a little bit earlier, and then I'm like, okay, maybe I need more experience. You know, I just started doing this, work for a few companies, let's see things they do, and then just I write down my ideas in a notebook and, and keep it that way. Yeah. Dang. So in terms of you writing down your ideas, is that something that you keep with you at all times because things just pop up? That's what I should do. I have a notebook for them. I like physical paper, but when an idea comes, it goes in my phone and then it gets transferred to the notebook. <laughs> ah, I see. I see. I see. Wow. So what are the differences 
I want to ask you, because again, you, conversation and whatnot, we'll talk about how you start that off so we can make it relatable to the ESL learners, but Koreans, Georgians, what are the differences in terms of their discipline, in terms of, you know, them and their enthusiasm to learn the language? So I think the biggest part is, um, if I had to think about some differences, Georgians, they really like they're still really face-to-face. They still really like in-person classes. Um, and also just when I get feedback about what things to do with my business from Georgian friends, Georgians really like certifications. They were like showing, you know, they have education. They like showing they're certified for this so that they went through this program. Um, Koreans, I can see, and maybe it's just the program according to how it was, but it was consistent. There's a little bit every day. Maybe with Georgians, maybe, okay. I heard from them for a little bit and then for a little while I didn't. But you know, that could be just on an individual learner basis. Yeah, but I see the differences in that way. Oh wow. All right. Oh man. So like, you know, me being like it's funny, back in 2015, I ended up creating a conversation course for this language center. And that ended up amassing a significant amount of money. But again, I only got cut like a two hundred dollar check for creating it. Dumb me. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I was like, dude, that was grossly underpriced. I should have at least charged 500. But anyways, you know, that specific course is amassed like 200,000 US dollars. So again, $200 versus 200,000. Okay, there's a triple zero. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a wee bit of a difference, you know? So, um, yeah, what I ended up realizing is that I had you know, a talent for conversing. So while speaking to the Koreans or Georgians or whomever, what are some things that you teach them in terms of how they could start conversations with foreigners? I think that's really interesting. Okay, so if I were to think specifically about starting a conversation, um, firstly, I tell them just to do it. (laughs) Because... that's the whole premise of my company the motto is just speak so the people are learning they're learning and I've even done it myself I'll just sit and learn Russian but you have to use it so that's that's like just the basics just go out and say something so maybe I tell students definitely in Georgia since tourism's coming up if you see so tourists that looks like they need help ask because when I first came no one like they're, they're very friendly, but it was the people who didn't speak English, the ones who were afraid to speak English, the mm. ones who uh, did know English were too afraid, but the ones who wanted to help and were very friendly didn't speak English, but they would still try to help. So I'm like, if you see someone that looks like they need help, that might be from a foreign country, just ask them, do you need help? Mm. You know, something like that. Or just, hello, just, just use it, just speak, just you know, talk to someone you see sitting next to you on the bus or the subway, it looks like they're from another country. Just just start <laughs> right yeah. yeah going back from my thailand my my thai language learning journey i don't know what i was thinking the first six months of living in an upcountry province and not even picking up some words to even speak to one of my teachers that i work with worked alongside you know they spoke no english there was no google translate in 2013 right. there was right. only an application on uh, uh ipad 2 series 2 we're talking these would be, this was at the dawn of technology, okay? Yeah, those were dark times, you know? So me, 
what I did, I started learning like important things. Okay. If I had to take a taxi, Thailand, the taxi drivers were absolutely horrific five years ago. They're not as bad today because now they've been outperformed by Grab Taxi, which is kind of like Uber. Do they have Uber in Georgia? No, on this part of the world, they have a Yandex taxi. It's the Google of Russia. So they have Yandex taxis. And so there's a lot of local taxi drivers, but now the Yandex taxi is coming in, sort of taking it. So it might, it might be similar. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Oh my God. I never do that. That's interesting. Okay. Mm. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So I had to learn dishes. I had to learn all the basic things that I said on a routine basis, like how much, where is this, uh, you know, uh, basic conversations, basic, you know, small talk and whatnot. You are learning Russian. Yes. Not Tell <laughs> me how that is. Because again, you live in Georgia. People are like, well, Georgian, you know, that language, it's like a one of a kind, right? It is like a one of a kind. It's almost like Basque. There's no sort of like language family or anything similar to it. Yeah. Yep. Because it's like flowers and stuff like that. It's just, oh, <laughs> man. But Russian, what are some of the problems that you, because again, you said that you used to walk around the house speaking Spanish. So <laughs> Russian, was that a big problem for you? And is it a big problem for you to learn? from an African-American perspective. <laughs> no, I'd say no. You know, when people say is Russian hard, you know, every language is hard. You just have to, everything, just do it. I should, Nike should pay me. But you just gotta get started like learning it. So I can say languages come a bit easily to me. Maybe like I like to use them a lot. Like I said, walking around the house, as soon as I start learning a language, I use it. Um, Forming the sounds and letters might be a bit difficult. Really long words are a bit difficult. But overall, if you have a good teacher, if you have a good program, if you are in the environment, like, you know, the older generation here speaks Russian, you know, I, I have no excuse. I can use it. I have the teacher. I have the materials. Uh, practicing it on my own. So it's, it's not bad. It really is one of the highest or most difficult, but it's really not bad. You just take your time consistently. I've been going slowly. It's not bad. I see. I see. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So back in 2015, these are some good times. Back in 2015, I remember I was still trying to make a name for myself at a language center, right? And I had no classes. So you had this big, ugly old dude that was like at least 675,000 years old. This guy had all the classes in the world. I didn't have one class in one day. So I went up to the boss and I said, hey, man, you better start giving me some classes. Show some respect. You better put some respect on my name, you know? Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, they're like, hey, uh, we have a student named Max. And I'm like, Max? I'm like, where's he from? Russia. And I'm like, oh, damn, you guys got Russian students here. This is great. Yeah. So next thing you know, here goes Max. Little guy, about 12 years old at the time, his mother is like a ball of just happiness. And his grandmother is just beautiful souls, man. Like, if I made them laugh, they would go, ah! <laughs> you know, we would just light up the place. They're just gorgeous folks, you know? Um, and he was so strict. He was like, uh, yes, I'm okay. Uh, what was that? <sighs> you, know, uh, you know, if I ask him questions, he gets all answered. Like, okay, calm down, Max, calm down. But he yeah. taught me two words, uxus and sos. That's, what is that? <laughs> I know, I know. Uxus is 
vinegar. Okay. I don't know why he taught me vinegar. It's crazy. <laughs> and then sauce is soup. So I'm uh, like, I can travel to Russia now. Oh my God. I got vinegar and I got, you know what I mean? <laughs> you need nothing else. <laughs> but I used to play Clash of Clans. So I was in a Russian clan. And what? so they would request different things. And I'm like, okay, what's this? So I started asking him. I'm like, hey, what's this? He's like, this, it, these are archers. These are barbarians. These are these. And so I still remember those symbols in my head. It's all about using it, like you said. If you repeat it and do it over and over. Oh, guys, we're talking Russian. There's no excuse for anyone back home in America not to learn Spanish. Spanish is simplistic. Absolutely. Absolutely. You better learn Spanish. I mean, you have people around you. You can go anywhere and speak Spanish in America. You are immersed. <laughs> you, are, you can learn it. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, man. So... Yeah, so anyways, uh, in terms of learning Russian, in terms of learning German, and uh, what is it, Georgian, mm. which is, would you consider that an endangered language, like a, a language that might be? I think so. I think Damn. they said that the amount of speakers is becoming less and less. So the competing languages are Russian, because so many people learned it, Soviet Union age and up, and English now is coming in. So it is. I think a bit endangered and like the number of speakers is going down a tiny bit. Yeah. That's just like Scot Scotland, um, Ireland, something about Gaelic. <laughs> I don't know so much about, you know, the, you know, Britain in general, but this was another problem, you know? And so, wow. All right. So here we go. Bit oh, yeah, go ahead. It's a difficult balance between like you're teaching English but some languages are dying because of it. You know, it's like, it's like the balance that you think of as a teacher. So I really like to think of like a cultural context. How can I encourage this person's culture? How can I encourage their language? You know, I remember I did that with like Koreans. Like, tell me about your culture. Why don't you guys wear your traditional hanbok or any, anymore? Why don't, you know, tell me about your food. So it's like, a, it's like a balance, trying to encourage their own culture and their own language while learning English, you know, at the same time. Right. Shout out to the Koreans that actually listen to my podcast because you, I'm so happy. First and foremost, Tara, I'm just going to say I am so grateful that you had the opportunity to teach Koreans because I've heard many stories within the last decade of teachers, African-American going to Korea, they can't get a job. Go ahead. You, oh, you're about to say something. Let's go. <laughs> I must say that they were, because they were busy professionals, they were just calls, no video. Oh, they yeah, didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know. So I would have some students and I'm like, oh, no, I'm black. Black people, we do this. I'm like, oh, I thought you were blonde here with blue eyes. I'm like, I don't know anybody <laughs> blonde here with blue eyes. But, you know, when I would tell them, they were completely cool. But it was just calls. Mm. Just calls, no video. They were calling yeah. from their cell phones. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought you were blonde hair, blue. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like the depiction of what a teacher is, every teacher must it's have. American, a, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Again, like I told you, we had an off-topic discussion, you know, off-camera, which things get mm -hmm. really interested, about <laughs> my times here. And it's so funny. Uh, Tara, because a lot of, maybe there are a lot of people out there who are like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in Georgia. Um, but me, 
you were like, Arsenio, man, I'm sorry for what you've been through out there in Thailand, but I haven't experienced anything in Georgia. Why do you think that is? That is so fascinating. Georgians are just really hospitable. And actually, like, it's not their country motto, but it's just something they live by. And, it's, and, it's, and the words are, you know, every guest is a gift from God. So, like, you treat this guest. You know, if you think about, you know, the Middle East used to have this, you know, Middle Eastern hospitality or, you know, whoever comes in your house, you're responsible for them. You protect them. You want people to know you're open. They're just, like, hospitable people, caring people. Maybe they haven't, you know, had so much interaction or bad interactions with people from other countries. You know, obviously, they've had some and things like that. But they're just, they're just hospitable people. It's their culture. It's their nature. And it's wonderful. Obviously, there's bad people in every country. Yep. There's good people in every country. But the people, you know, hospitality is part of their culture. And they really do it to the fullest, I think. Dude, that is so cool, man. Um, oh, so, you know, it, it, tell me about the country. Like, give me a head to toe. Like, things, if, if, I, if I were to come out there right now or anyone, like, entice me. Like, it, it enticed me because Georgia, I look at it as like a Game Boy game I used to play a very long time ago called Golden Sun. And you mm -hmm. had these green bushes and grass up along the houses. I think they would call them cottages. And uh, the, the fairy tale, the butterflies that are just flying everywhere. But Georgia's kind of like that. So, okay, so you explain to me like what Georgia is because I'm just excited. Georgia is, what can I say? It's uh it's fresh food it's green forest it's white mountains it's fresh clean water healing water it's like hospitality openness like welcomeness um it's soviets a bit in some places it's like villages and cows but then it's tbilisi it's modern it's artistic it's you know they have lots like gastronomy, they have the beach, they have a desert, they have the snow-topped mountains, they have the highest village in Europe, they have, yeah, they have, you know, like, wonderful lakes, and, you know, it's so many things, like, it's a country, you know, that's really small, but you can go and see so many different landscapes, so many different places, experience different people, they have Armenians here, they have Azeris from Azerbaijan here. So there's just a mix of things. People who are traditionally, you know, German. It, it's so many. It's so much things. How do you how do you explain, you know, how do you wrap it up in, in one thing? I, I just recommend anyone what I did when I first learned about Georgia was I just binge watched YouTube videos about Georgia and then you're like, okay, I need to go. <laughs> like it's just it's great. Yeah. It's, oh man, you had that bug. You had that travel bug inside of you to begin with. So yeah. when you got there, now I want to hurry up. Wait, Soviet, what do you mean by it's Soviet? Like, okay, so Soviet Russia, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, we know the 60s and all that craziness, the Olympics and the competition, the moon landings. I still don't understand what Soviet Russia is, but I do believe that Soviet Russia was Georgia at one point it was bulgaria was it bulgaria at one point or no so there was like um the soviet union which is like russia georgia's part of soviet union kazakhstan Tajikistan, you know the stands um the stands. and it was also just like um the eastern bloc countries which were under communist rule i don't know if they were considered soviet union but they were under communist rule so that's like 
East Germany, you know, before the Berlin Wall fell. And that was, you know, all those countries on that Eastern side, you know, that might've been like Czech Republic or, um, yeah, Bulgaria and Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, all Latvia, part of that communist. Estonia. Uh, yeah, that whole like Eastern uh, section, Ukraine. Yeah. And damn, so, so there was just... Go ahead. Yeah, I feel like George is like Soviet. There's like, you know, old Soviet, you know, sort of monuments or architecture or like the apartment blocks are still very like Soviet style, very, yeah. So it's just like that, those little traces of the Soviet Union from that era that you see. You wouldn't say Russia, you would say Soviet. Yeah, yeah. I would say Soviet Union. I would say it's like okay. Soviet Union style because those, those countries, part of the Union... Part of that were part of the Soviet Union sort of have that same style. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say Wow, man. Ah, uh, that is so cool, man. This is in Latvia. Don't, I think Latvia has the tallest women in the world. Oh, uh, really? I, I hadn't heard. <laughs> yeah, I know. It just came about all of a sudden because I, I would see them play like beach volleyball, like in the Olympics. Woo! When I used to watch that 12 years ago. These women were just towerers. You know what I'm saying? Not a tower, but they were towerers, okay? And then I realized, oh, yeah, Latvian women are the tallest women in the world. They average six feet. I said, oh, Lord Jesus. But Latvia, oh, Albania. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, No, not Moldova. Dude, there's so many places in Europe. Tell me, Tara, where have you been in Europe? I haven't been anywhere. I've been to Georgia. I've been to Germany. Really? I know. I'm so close. Ah! <laughs> I've been to, yeah, I've been to Germany. <laughs> that was it. Are yeah. there trains that run through any of the bordering countries? Azerbaijan is right next door. I ended up in Poland by accident as part of like a, you know, a layover. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, it's a, you know, I can take a bus to Russia. I haven't been. I, I got in Georgia and I got comfortable and I'm like, oh, I don't need to travel anywhere. I'm happy. <laughs> what year visa? <laughs> yeah and a lot of people you guys need to understand like for anyone whatever passport you hold it's crucial so for american passport holders we are lucky but then we're very not lucky in some in other countries so in asia it's it's a little tough you can't go to china freely we got to pay them 100 i don't think anyone's gonna want to travel uh to china uh 150 for a visa there um <laughs> Same with Russia. Russia, you need a you need an American visa. Pizza. Yeah, Russia, it's real difficult to get in there. No. What yeah, you, you do need to go through a few hoops. You know, you need an invitation letter and things like that, and you do have to pay for a visa. So you do you do have to go through a few hoops. But there's companies that do that, but it's just those countries that are sort of you know, America America uh, charges visas for for a lot of countries, Russia and China. So they're like, well, why wouldn't we do the same thing and make money off of it? Yeah. Boom. That's right. That's absolutely right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned Armenia. You're expanding your brand. We're going to talk about that right now. You got Georgians. You talk South Koreans, obviously. Phone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Emphasize phone. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no offense to my folks out there, Busan. I love y'all. Um, but, you know, you got Georgians. I haven't had the opportunity to speak to a Georgian yet, but it's all right. It's coming soon. Uh, (laughs) You're like, book it. Um, And then you have Armenians. I've had, I actually have an Armenian friend and I have an Armenian American friend. 
and I finally met my first two ever folks from Azerbaijan, and they are very cheerful. So comparing Georgians to, I don't know what the nationality of Azerbaijan is, but let's just. Oh, very, yeah. Oh, wow. There it is. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to guess that. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and Armenians and Armenians. So what are the differences or what are the, you know, what are, oh, who's the most cheerful? But be careful, huh? I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't comment so much. I've had Georgians, haven't had, haven't had Armenians yet. I went to the country I visited. Um, so I can't give super detailed analysis. I don't know. I don't want to get myself in trouble. <laughs> so, right, right, right. I think like Armenia is really on the digital path. You know, Georgia's obviously doing a lot of modernization. They have done a lot of modernization, probably doing like really well economically. Uh, Armenia is really up and coming. It's still a little bit farther behind, but they're really going on the digital path, trying to, you know, make it sort of like a Silicon Valley sort of thing. You know, there's a lot of IT professionals in that country. Um, I think they're a little bit digitally minded and but, you know, when I visited there, they're like, oh, we need like English courses here or things like that. So I think they're still still bringing in things, still bringing in, you know, like still globalizing a bit. But that was from just my limited visit there and my limited conversation with, that I've had with Armenians. And Azerbaijan, I don't know at all. I don't know at all. I haven't met so many people. I haven't visited. So no comment. <laughs> uh, I got you. I got you. So going into your business now and what you do, I mean, I love it. Uh, you know, wow. What, 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 what made you, okay. So tell everyone about your business. What is your business? Okay. So, uh, my company is Excel Your English and Just Speak is the full name of the company. And that's the motto. It's Just Speak. So, I saw a lot, there's a lot of courses, a lot of people learn a language, a lot of people study it, but they don't actually get out and use it. Uh, and I worked for a Spanish company and they really emphasized what they did was, use, it was self-study. So it was at your own pace. But after you finish you know, one lesson, you have to schedule a speaking class, so you have to use it. And so I just really liked that, pushing people to go out there and to actually use it. So with my company, all the programs are not necessarily teaching English. You can do any grammar course. You can study on your own. There's so many methods, but it's it's giving the people the meetings, the sessions, the opportunities to use it with a native speaker. So I have like short sessions, 20, 40 minutes, you know, just where we have English conversational calls, uh, help to shape and form their grammar or help with pronunciation or just getting you, pulling out of you what you know in English. Begin to form your sentences or begin to form them correctly. It's all about using it. Yeah. It's about using it. Oh, man. It's all about usage. And this is a lot. This is a huge technique and a good feedback for a lot of people out there. Like, you could take all the courses you want. There was a lady. You know, it's so funny. I thought about you today, Tara, because there was a lady from Turkey who had gotten in contact with me. She's 65 years old. And she's like, well, you know, my fian uh, my daughter-in-law's fiance is from the Netherlands. Da -da 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 -da. I want to be able to speak to him. And that reminded me of your schedule after our call recently, because you're like, oh, I got my neighbor over here. I got this person. I got an SAT kid over here in the West Coast, I mean, East Coast, United States. You know, it's just a, a vast, a, a range of different people. Um, but in saying that, I realized that communicative, we do not emphasize that. Even in college, you got 200 students and you have one professor. 
He talks the entire time. How can you enable any of those skills that you could pop? It's just a complete waste of time. I just think it is a waste of time. So you using that, that is awesome. What are some of the, pro- what are some of the things that you had to overcome? So you started your business. How, how did you start marketing for anyone out there who's thinking about, you know, ooh, this could be a nice little specific need somewhere in uh, Cebu, Philippines or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you start building that? And what are some of the, tri- the, some of the adversities you had to overcome? Like, did you want to quit at some point? So, yeah. Well, with my business, I'm still building it. I'm still trying to get customers through the website, but a lot of it in Georgia has been word of mouth. So if I work with people, it has been, they're telling people. It has been huge for tons. Like I, I told you when we were off camera, I went to my friend's job and everyone, she introduced me at an English teacher. Like, I need English. I need English. I just need to speak. I can read, but I'm not speaking, you know, and the people are coming to me. Uh, the people are coming to me through word of mouth, word of mouth, definitely. So definitely do not underestimate the power of that word of mouth, telling people just that you're an English teacher because you never know when it'll come up. So that one's a huge one. Um, with marketing my business, I've been doing a few channels and I've been doing things <clears throat> excuse me, uh, consistently. I'm trying to build it up and grow it through that way to see what I can get. So I do like YouTube videos where I create um, just videos for people to, uh, they can almost like talk at home without somebody. So I ask questions, you're doing like a role play at home. You're answering the video. So you're using it at home. There's no excuse. There's no reason to be afraid. You're talking to the computer (laughs) Um, like that. And then, you know, like with LinkedIn, where we met doing consistent posts and trying to offer something that's more geared towards LinkedIn, which is like uh, business English for, you know, entrepreneurs, English for entrepreneurs. So those terms that are specific by industry that entrepreneurs, maybe they come across in their work or they don't know so much that helps them. So it's been those things. I've also done some, um, like physical marketing with his, with like posters, posting posters. And that's something I want to go back into because that's something they still really do here as well. I've, um, I've done, like I've written to, you know, companies and I've uh, put in my business card and like sent it off, you know, in the mail, physical mail. So I've, I've tried a little bit of everything. I think the biggest thing is being consistent and letting it go because I'm someone I can try a lot of things, but I'm really learning diligence consistently, consistency, take it little by little and, and keep it going. Yeah. Wow. What, what's the best lead generation magnet for like, you know, with bit, word of mouth, word of mouth? For me so far, it has been word of mouth. It has been word of mouth. It is those people, maybe they don't need it, but they know someone who needs it. Like, do not underestimate that power of that. It has been word of mouth for me. And it might depend on the country. It might depend on the people, you know, there's a lot of factors, but here it has been word of mouth. Oh, I know an English teacher. Oh, I know a four-year-old whose mom wants them to, to speak. So it's been that for me a lot. Yeah. Wow. How do you establish a why? Because I think a lot of people here in Thailand, okay, word of mouth. So let me give you two examples, right? All right, my friend, she introduced me to a friend. Hey, so you want to learn English? Yeah, so why? Uh, for the future. And I'm like, uh-oh, that's not a good why. I don't know what that is. Um, and I'm like, okay, so Arsenio, how are you going to go about doing this? And I'm like, all right, let's just see. I said, hey, you got to pay five hours up front. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I haven't heard from her in two weeks after our first session. Oh, well, she's abroad. She's over there in another province. I'm like, okay, all right. Hey, I'll take your word for it. Okay, I'll take your word for it. But again, 
I, I just don't know. Like when it comes to discipline here in Thailand, it's just not there. I've taught a lot of people. They bought five hour package and then they were finished. I'm like, guys, you literally just wasted your money uh, because you gave up that quickly. So yeah. do Georgians have problems? Like, have you, do you try uh, establishing a disciplinary system in terms of establishing a discipline with them or are they already disciplined? And yeah, how do you go about doing that? I think with Georgian students, maybe it's the same as with all students. They're really motivated and want to do it. And then the momentum goes. So um, I don't have any system. What I do do is when we start, these are your, what are your goals? What is that you want to do? So I can make sure I target that specifically. So I try to make sure with myself from my side, I'm reaching their goals so that they feel like they leave every class. You know, like um, if I started like a, a class, and then like three lessons in, it's like, oh, I feel like I'm, I know we'll probably get there eventually, but I'm not really getting what I hoped out of it. I try to like tackle their goals right away, you know, or make sure like something each lesson tackles one of their goals or goes through one of their goals is one thing. Um, also really uh, reminding people to be consistent. And there's a few things I really want to implement in my business or something like that. Reminding people of their goals regularly, uh, showing them their progress regularly, whether like we record, how they start when we first have a lesson and then at the end doing the same thing. But definitely I try to tell them about consistency. Even if you find you don't have time, even if you <clears throat> me, are tired from work, if you did 30 minutes a week, you would be doing more than not doing <laughs> you know, anything. So exactly. I, I really try to, try to get them to, to, to weigh both things. You know, okay, you have no time, but do you have 20 minutes two times a week? you know, that's, that's 40 minutes. And then, you know, even if it's a year from now, you'll be speaking better than if you quit completely. So I had actually just read this book called, um, what is it called? It's, I think it's called Finish. And, you know, it's like the, it shows the lies of perfectionism. We either think like we've got to be doing it, going hard on it all the time. And because we fail once we give up, you know, with a diet, with a business or anything, but it's really, it doesn't need to be perfect. If you're doing it, you'll get there. Even it doesn't matter how much you're doing. So really trying to remind my students of that, I think is what I do mostly. You, know, you could be using it. You could be using it. Even if it's just a little bit, you could be using it. Yeah, I think it's that. Wow. I love that. Those are gems. Those are gems for a lot of people out there to establish a system, a goal system. Like, what is it that you want to accomplish? And then from an educated perspective, this is how we should approach everything. However, you know, working with the people I've worked with in the past, it's kind of like just opening up a book. Okay, how are you today? Number one, number two, yeah. number three. Yeah, that's the hard part because you have your system where you have your program. But I found like if they're not feeling like they're getting what they wanted, that's when they start to, you know, lose momentum. You know, they want to speak. Obviously, they'll, they'll get there eventually if you go through your book or system. But you sort of do have to make those changes as an educator. Okay. They really need English right now today for this. So you have to, you should change to make sure that they feel like they're getting something that they need or can use immediately. It's, you have to be adaptable a bit. You have to be a bit adaptable. Wow. Yeah, that's it right there. So it's about changing it up. I love it. I love it because, well, damn, you just taught me something. Because, again, if you see that momentum just going away, it's always about just changing it up and keeping them on their toes, keeping them guessing. You know what I mean? um you and know feedback i try to as well so i you know something that you don't think about but 
you know, maybe one, after three or four classes, like, how do you feel about class? Do you feel like you want to learn? Do you feel like we, want to, we should do something different? You know, something like that. So I, I'll ask them, you know, and they'll tell me, oh, no, I think class is going good. Or uh, I sort of want more of this. You know, they're really like outgoing students won't be afraid to tell you what they need because they're spending their money. But, you know, some students, maybe they won't tell you unless you ask. So that's something I've, I've, tr I've begun doing as well, asking them, how do they feel? Do they feel like they're getting or learning? And some things you do have to separate it. Some things you have to be like, um, we're getting there eventually little by little. It takes patience, it takes consistency, but we're on your, on your way to your goals, but we have to start here. Others, it's like, okay, I was going on a different track with them. I need to adapt to what they need. I see. Yeah, that's what I love, man. And, and you know, <clears throat> that's so awesome that you have the business online. You have these in-class and, you know, face-to-face -face types of things. And you, you, it's all about being adaptable, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, you know, if you're living abroad or if you're learning this or you're learning that, it's all about adaptation. Can you acclimate? Can you get used to your environment? Because sometimes we like to take our beliefs, cultures, values, and stuff into another place and believe that we could just make it that way and continue mm -hmm. using references and say, oh, but in America, we do this. Or in my school, we do this. And teachers taught like this. But it doesn't always work like that. It doesn't work here. And I'll even tell you uh, an example for one of my students, a uh, Georgian student. He's actually uh, the manager of a company. And he said, you know, the, the head manager is... Um, is Russian. He's like, he keeps trying to bring these Western principles. He said, yeah, we know they're good, but we're Georgian. We do things our way. So you gotta, you can't bring them. You gotta like adapt them somehow is what he was saying. And it's the same, like with learning, like I came here, like I'm gonna start this online business. I'm gonna offer Georgians this. They like face-to-face -face more. I have, you know, in-person students more. Um, there are those people who are, you know, geared towards online, but yeah, you, you have different channels. You have to learn to do things the way that people want them in the country a bit mm. yeah absolutely like here in thailand they like entertainment they i don't know everyone follows that same video format like they use these like these automatopias like all around like all these sound effects and i'm mm. like and one of the uh, this guy that did a big video recording a uh, shoot with me just recently he was telling me, he's like, dude, I hate that. Everyone follows the same system here. So again, you know, let me give you, I'm going to ask you one last question here. This is going to be real interesting. There was a guy from Utah. He's famous here in Thailand, probably for his blonde hair, blue eyes. Let's just put it that way. But, uh, you know, he speaks Thai, but he is a teacher of English. So throughout a 10-minute video, he probably says English, 15 words of English. So from your perspective, Tara, can you teach English by not using it? That's, like, that's probably going to be like the age-old debate. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, you can. You can. You can. Um, I really think for me, I think it's dependent on level and method and so many things mm. and age. I really think it depends on so many things. 
the best is like this full immersion. I have pictures at my disposal. Yes. You know, I have translations of words in their local language or something like that, but I'm speaking English to them. So I, you can, I really think it's best to use as much English as possible. But again, like I said, it depends on, you know, are they a small, are they a child? They really don't understand. Is there a picture to describe, you know, maybe something that's a bit abstract rather than, you know, concrete nouns or something. Uh, I think it, I think it depends. I think it depends. You know, I, I'm doing like imposing things in English, but <clears throat> I even have my friend do translations of some things in Georgian because they do like yeah. to have it there. So it, it depends. Yeah. It's a hard thing. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah, that's always, that's a heated debatable topic, you know? Um, again, if there are Thai teachers teaching English and they have felt, well, whatever it may be, the concept, but, you know, here in Thailand, it's kind of like explaining, explaining even though, although, and though, right? And he literally just speaks it in Thai. Okay, you could teach him the concept, but are they going to be able to use that effectively in context? That's the thing. If you do use the local language, make sure you're balancing it with English. So yeah, a lot of complaints when my Spanish students was in school, their teacher just spoke to them in Spanish, English things. So that was a complaint. I think it's, I think maybe that's why in some ways I have my company. Okay, you may be learning the language, but you have to actually use it. So maybe they're teaching the concepts in the language, maybe you understand it. It won't help unless you pair it with the, with the practicum with the actual practice yeah so right if you do do it that way right and that's what i was trying to um what is it though the place that i work at up country right so the lay the women are like oh you gotta learn thai you have to teach in thai this that i'm like hey give me some words i'm gonna put some <laughs> words on the board i'm gonna learn thai they're gonna teach me thai so kriya okay verb kunasap okay adjective kamnam noun Okay, uh, this, this, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I've learned the words and the verbiage and whatnot, but at the same time, I'm learning from them, and they're obviously learning from me. But you know what's really funny, to sum this up, you know, in Spanish class, I don't know if you had a Spanish teacher, but I had a, I had a Spanish teacher who was Russian, Mr. Ostrohumov, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that is not a Spanish name. This guy spoke perfect Spanish, though. So you had him... But then you had a lady from Alabama. Her name was Miss Finnick, or Miss Phoenix, I think. Oh my God. You know, it's kind of like Casatera, okay? Or something that you have to roll your R. Uh, like Anario. Is that yellow? Anario is yellow, right? Amarillo. Oh, Amarillo. Okay, Amarillo. Yeah. So Amarillo. My teacher would say Amarillo. Oh. I said, what the hell you doing? That ain't no Spanish. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> Have you had teachers like, I'm not trying to knock her, but try. You got a BA or an MA and you're sounding like Amarillo, Texas? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. You got to you yeah. gotta put some effort into it. I think it's just funny, yeah. so. I've had, I've had, well, I've had maybe a diff different situation. So like, Maybe there's like no sort of standard or common standard. I've had similar. I've had like uh, an American lady who married a Mexican guy speaking Spanish. So her, her accent's not as good, but she was still a good teacher. She's still a good teacher. I've had, we learned Mexican Spanish 
in America, I think, yep. in most schools. But when I got to college, uh, the teacher was from Argentina. Ooh. And their S is, it's not like a normal S. Theirs is a lisp. So they would use like uh, España. So it, it really messed the, the people who are weaker up. Yeah, so they take that, that TH is their S. And so like, it was nothing bad. They were all good teachers, but the standard changed and it was difficult for the people who were a little bit weaker. It was the hardest part, but, but it's still, yeah, it's interesting. Different learning styles, different teaching styles, I guess. Yeah. Right. Oh man, so many experiences. Ah, oh, so in saying that, Tara, oh my God, thank you so, so much for coming on to this ESL podcast. Are there any final words that you would like to leave with these uh, folks out here who are tuned in? Yeah, if you're just, if you're looking to do a business, if you're looking to get into ESL, just be adaptable and find what the people want because it's very easy to know your idea. But if the people don't want it, you know, adapt it a bit. And if you're a learner, just use it just in some way, speak to someone somewhere, start writing emails or just, you know, use it to just use it. Yeah. Just think. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so guys, if you're interested, I'll definitely put her LinkedIn up. Uh, you know, if you guys are interested in what she has going, because I know there are some Russians and some folks from Ukraine that tune into this podcast every now. Well, Russian absolutely every day ukraine up and down topsy-turvy mm. but i know you guys would probably be like oh my god speak russian oh my god i'm very interested so again i uh, know i got a terrible accent i got a terrible Russian accent. <laughs> that was terrible i was like hey what a way i would like to do i had like a, a new york italian accent oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah i gotta work on that i'm sorry people don't get all bad and greasy out there anyway so yeah uh, i'll definitely put a link of her with her linkedin in there i know she has a youtube too so you guys can check out that beautiful language they call georgian and again youtube the hell out of georgia i'm telling you man there's a good chance i got vietnam chile panama costa rica and georgia in my crosshairs for next year. Vietnam, I just don't know, but they have a rising GDP. Uh, and we all have to wait for COVID to just calm down because COVID is on a rampage, uh, obviously in the USA. It's calmed down here in Asia now, but- uh, Yeah, here too. Oh man, but yeah, luckily Eastern Europe, Croatia, and uh, quite a few countries have it down, you know, under control, except UK. Uh, England, they just don't know what's happening. But anyways, that's another conversation for another day. So, um, yeah. Guys, thank you so much. I'm going to put all the links in the description. And Tara, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Thank you. <laughs> Guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast again, man. So many wonderful things that we covered. You know, I was talking to her after and off camera. And I was like, you know, at the beginning, you know, I was trying to get all these things out of you. And, you know, she said this was the first time her podcast. But towards the end, you could see her opening up and talking about a range of things and engaging in a free-flowing conversation. But nonetheless, man, it was fantastic. I'm so grateful for having the ability to uh, bring her onto my ESL podcast. And guys, what a, what a packed month. A beautiful way to top off July. And now we're going into the last third of the year. Is it the last third? No, I'm completely wrong. The last third will be the beginning of September. Excuse me. But we're getting into August. So 
man, I just want to say for everyone who has listened to this all the way through and who has been tuning into the podcast for such a long time, thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot or I couldn't be more grateful for your ears. And again, if you feel that this can be shared with people around the world, make sure you like it, you share it, you leave a comment, or you leave um, a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. Boost my ratings, although I never tell people to, but hey, you know, just because (laughs) I do have the number one ESL podcast, so it's good to have some good ratings on there. So nonetheless, guys, thank you so much. Stay tuned for more, baby. Happy July, good morning, August, over and out.